Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Give me a moment just to get set up here. Uh, I will say, uh, under all of your chairs, you should notice a stone. Uh, our janitor did just fine this week, uh, but this is a sermon illustration, so grab that. Uh, if you haven't already, everyone should have one. Uh, we had one of our little Hargroves, a uh, different family of Hargroves, got a lot of them at this church. Uh, put those out. Uh, but before we get in, let's pray, and uh, we will see what God's up to this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you seeking your will for our church. Lord, knowing that your big C will, as Luke said earlier, Lord, uh, doesn't depend on us. And yet you invite us to be a part of it. You invite us to be a part of the good news of what you are doing in this world. And Lord, our world is desperately in need of good news. Lord, each and every one of us are in need of good news. Lord, I pray that as we encounter you today through your word, Lord, that you speak. You say that's all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we're mostly going to be hanging out in Matthew chapter 4 today, the reading Barrett so well he did. Uh, that's going to be on page uh, 1234, so 1234, that's convenient, uh, if you're using the Bibles, we are. But we are in a sermon series called Acts 3.0. And this came out of a lot of prayer of leadership, where we came together and we were asking, God, where are you calling us as a church? What does this look like going forward? And Acts 1.0 was Gabe, and it was kind of his taking the lead. Acts 2.0 was 2017, when I got here, when I kind of took the lead. But we said Acts 3.0, we didn't want to be around one person. We wanted it to be about all of us together. God, where are you calling us? And from that came this vision statement, a flourishing community of Jesus' disciples. We talked about that week one, about this garden, this beautiful life-giving community that God has called us into, marked by unusual joy and forgiveness. Jacob did a great job talking about that last week. Bringing good news and love, that's where we're going to hang out today. And then everywhere we go, I love that we're doing that as a sending Sunday that we still want to be a church of service. But today, it's bringing good news and love. And when we think about bringing good news and love, in fact, when I look at that whole statement, if you were to say, Josh, could you rate the church? Like, we definitely have a lot of life in this church. We've got that beautiful chaos in kids, but also in your pastors and your ministers and what Betsabe does, right? There is a lot of life. We haven't peaked yet, but there's a lot of life at this church. And we have a lot of joy and we have a lot of forgiveness. But it's that bringing good news that I think sometimes makes some of us and myself at the front of the list uncomfortable. Because Christians have kind of given bringing good news, the good news of Jesus, a bad name sometimes. Right? They've, they've polluted it with all kinds of different things of the culture or of politics or of money. And so we can be like, I don't want to offend anyone. What we're going to do today is we're going to unpack what the good news of Jesus actually is and why it's something that first and foremost we need to hear, but then also the gift and the blessing that it is as we share it. We're going to start off in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the lake and they were fishermen. Come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they uh, left their nets and followed him. 
Going on a little further, he saw two brothers, John, son of Zebedee, and his brother uh, James. They were in a boat, and their father Zebedee preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. The world's expectations versus God's invitation. That's the first thing we're going to look at here. When we talk about good news, one of the things that we get mixed up in is we are full of a world of expectations. I may be alone in this, but I might be the only one who starts to get anxious about going to a party when they get invited. My gosh, do I get anxious. This past week, this is a true story. I don't know why I say this is a true story, as if I'm up here, like, telling you lies. It's probably something I need to talk to my counselor about. But this happened this week where I was invited by a good friend to a CEO and pastor's gala. Oh, doesn't that sound formal? And I said, yes, I would go to this knowing it would be a good networking event where the business community and the church community could come together for common good. But as I got closer and closer, the expectations of what that meant for me, like, it's a big deal when I wear pants, y'all. Right? This is going to be an event where I'm going to be wearing a It took, this is not a joke, it took four tries for me for Erica to say, yes, you can wear that out. Right? The expectations of going somewhere. But, but life is more than just that. There's a lot more expectations. Expectations of how you're supposed to be parents. And if you're good parents, your kids won't struggle with X, Y, or Z. Expectations that you're supposed to be good at your job, that you're supposed to be promoted at your job. Expectations that you're supposed to like your job. The world is so full of expectations of who we're supposed to be. And sometimes the church can get caught up in that, right? It can be anxious about going to church, getting dressed the right way, getting the family all in one spot together. It's heavy when we live in a world full of expectation as opposed to the invitation of God and Jesus. That that no strings attached, just as we are, the God of the universe wants a relationship with you and he wants a relationship with me. We talk about where we're going as a church, it's about invitation, not expectation. Not putting more on someone, but saying, no, we are invited. There is a God. There is a Savior who wants to be, as, as we read about in the Forgiving Challenge, not only a just God, but a loving Father. And he wants a relationship with you just as you are. The world's expectation versus God's invitation. Scripture goes on. This is verse 23. And Jesus went throughout the Sea of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news. And I want to stop there because we're going to talk about what the good news is, and then we're going to talk about what the good news of the kingdom is. But in this, we're talking about the difference between good advice and good news. Man, the world is full of good advice. In fact, there is an entire sales industry that you can get billions of dollars off of in selling you good advice. Everything that you should or shouldn't be doing. Right? You should buy this luxury car. You you shouldn't eat snacks after 8 p.m. We are full. We live in a world that just immerses us 
in the weight of everything that we should and shouldn't be doing. And again, the church has fallen into this trap sometimes. Right? You should be reading your Bible more. You shouldn't spend that much time on Netflix. You, you shouldn't be impatient with your kids. You should, right? We should on ourselves, and then the world sees it, and that's what they think Christianity is all about. All the things we should and shouldn't be doing. This is actually funny. I almost skipped a slide, but Josh should read his slides before he puts them up, because that grammar is definitely not correct. The good news, though, <laughs> isn't about what we should and shouldn't be doing. The good news is a proclamation about God's reality, and it doesn't depend on what we've done. So good news is not a biblical exclusive term. In fact, in ancient times, that word represented something. It would mostly represent when a herald or a messenger would come back with good news that their kingdom had won a battle. So they would come to the city center and they would shout, we've beaten the Philistines or we've beaten Rome or whoever we were battling against. It was a proclamation of reality. And it wasn't based on, hey guys, we can beat the Philistines if you do X, Y, or Z. If you are good enough soldiers, we can win. No, it was a proclamation that reality had changed. That, that we were no longer stuck in this broken mess of war or of challenge. And, and the good news of God is deeper than any herald, any instant message, any TikTok post or Instagram post. No, when God declares something, that is reality. When God says, let there be light, light comes into creation. When Jesus says, walk to the man who's never walked in his life and he gets up and starts dancing around, it's because when God speaks, reality changes. And so Jesus comes proclaiming God's good news. I love how Luke talks about it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Over and over again, proclamation language. That reality has changed. That, that it's no longer the same, and that's not good advice. That's not more weight of all the shoulds and shouldn'ts. No, this is God saying, I am here and reality is changing. And then Jesus starts to unpack what that reality looks like. Verses 23b and following, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. For news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering seizure pain and demon-possessed, those who were having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. The kingdom, the word is actually reign. And, and this is not a word that we use in English. 
at least how they used it in ancient Greek. But it wasn't about a specific location, right? It was about where a king or a queen or an emperor had control. And so if the king was under control of an area, that was considered his reign or his kingdom. And Jesus comes proclaiming good news about God's kingdom, which is so different than the world's kingdom. I've been on an 80s music kick. I'm a bit late to this party, but in working out, I've been taking Bluetooth headphones. And so I've been listening to a lot of music, and one of the songs that I love is Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, right? Uh, a, I love all the references in it, but the, but the thought behind the thought, song is, hey, we were born into a world that was at war, right? And, and it just goes through Stalin and Mao and atrocity after atrocity after atrocity saying, the world is on fire and, and we didn't start it. We're trying to put it out, right? But, but we're all getting burned by it. We're all getting knocked by it. Something is wrong with the world that, that we're in, right? And when we talk about the world's reign, y'all, all of us are scared and jaded by it. All of us have a past. All of us have been hurt by someone. Lots of someones. And all of us have hurt someone. Lots of someones. And, and we could all roll up our sleeves of our past and be like, yeah, this is what happened with this parent or, or this is what happened with this job or, or this is, right, all these scars. And then the stuff that, like, I'm not scarred, but man, I stuck a knife in someone. I backstabbed someone. I said things I shouldn't have said. The weight of that past, it leaves us literally scarred and jaded because the world's on fire, we didn't start it, but unlike Billy Joel, the truth is we've all participated in adding to that fire. The world's reign, we see all around us. We see it on the evening news, we see it on social media, we see it when we talk and see brokenness around a dinner table. The world's on fire. And yet the promise of God's kingdom, right? So he's proclaiming the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Everywhere Jesus went, things got better. And so people start bringing others to Jesus. Over and over and over again, you have stories of the masses coming to this one who's actually in control, who say, no, God is in control, and the same way in heaven, no one goes sick, here on earth, people don't have to, no one goes hungry. Here on earth, no one has to go hungry. In the same way that no one's sick in heaven, hey, here on earth, we can help the sick. Everywhere Jesus went, things got better. He brought God's reign. He got, brought God being in control. And, and, it, and it changed the world. It, it changed everything. When we think about what it means to bring good news, it's about invitation. It's, it's about a proclamation that things are different, and not just any different, but know that God is in control, and this is a God of love and a God of compassion, and a God who sees us and doesn't say, well, you added to the fire, so you're disqualified. Instead, he says, no, I'm going to come, and I'm going to teach you a new way to live, a new way to walk. 
So I only have one more point. It's going to take a little bit of time to get here, though. So I'm going to invite Kelvin up. He is a trooper. He said he would help me illustrate something. Uh, make sure to go to the wide shot if you didn't. But got it? Sweet. All right, everyone give up for Kelvin. I got some props. All right, go take center stage. All right. So we talked about what's the longest we've ever run today. Kelvin, you are a uh, cross country, right? How often do you normally run? Um, during the season, like three days a week. Three days a week. All right. And how far do you normally run? Uh, two miles. Two miles. All right. Did you put this backpack on? All right. This backpack is going to represent life. Is that too bad? Right? Do you think you could do two miles in this backpack? Yeah. All right. Not too bad. Not too bad, right? And if this is all that we had in life, we would be doing okay. But, but we just talked about that life is more than just this. So I've got a couple of things we've got to put in there. All right. This is the world's expectations. You've got a lot of expectations on you, Kelvin. Are you expected to get good grades? Yeah? All right. Um, are you expected uh, to be nice to your siblings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, are you expected um, to clean your room? All right. And buddy, I hate to tell you this, but as you get older, those expectations get bigger <laughs> of who you're supposed to be. I'll just do that. All right, how you doing? You're all right? How's that two miles sounding? Not as much fun. All right, but we're not done yet, buddy. Oh, man, not only are there expectations, but there are all those things that we should and shouldn't be doing. I like this one because it actually says should and shouldn't, but it's a Lowe's bucket. Do it right, all right? <laughs> Kelvin, oh, man. <sighs> Have you ever been a jerk to your brother or sister? You shouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, man. I <sighs> will save that one. Uh, do you study every night? No. no, you should be doing that. Ooh. Do you brush your teeth for three minutes every night? No. You should be doing that too, buddy. Oh, man, this is getting full. Yeah, we'll leave that one. You're young yet. You're okay. All right. How you doing? Not great. I know, all right? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait, there's, there's one more. Oh, man, the world's heavy. And as we get older, the past gets heavier and heavier. There's not enough room in that uh, backpack anymore, so how about you just carry this? And as we get older, our past gets heavier, doesn't it? All the things that we've done, all the things that have been done to us, and we can end up like this. We carry all of it. I carry all of it, you carry all of it, and every single person in this world, because they're here, this is life. All the shoulds and shouldn't, all the expectations, all the world's hurts and jadedness, this is where we are going. And yet, what Jesus says isn't, you should and shouldn't be doing more. It isn't, hey, carry all your past, fix all your past. Instead, he says... Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Kelvin. Hey. When we talk about bringing good news to people, that's what we're talking about. Unburdening them. And y'all, that is good news for you too. The reason why we have stones for everybody is because all of us carry stuff. And in fact, all of you with kids that are in Kidman right now and their stones are still under there, you're carrying those too, aren't you? And it can get heavy. So what we're going to do, we're going to end this service, or we're going to end this illustration. I'm going to invite you to come up and bring the stones during communion and drop them in the baptismal font as a way to remember that God's not asking you to carry any of this. And he's not asking your neighbor who doesn't go to church or, or your coworker who doesn't know who Jesus is yet. He's not asking them to carry any of this stuff either, and that's good news. Now, I was thinking through a definition. This is it, y'all. It's an invitation to live in God's new reality filled with love. Right? It's an invitation, not an expectation. God is not coming down expecting us to do anything, but the God of the universe who created everything wants a relationship with each of us right where we're at as an invitation. And then as we take that invitation, we find a new way to live. We find a new way to breathe. We find a new way to operate in God's new reality. And it's filled with love. That is what Jesus is asking us to bring. First in our own lives, in our own families, but then wherever we go, just that invitation to be able to invite folks into a relationship with a good God who's full of life and full of love and everywhere he went, things got better and he wants that for everyone else as well. And that's what we mean by bringing good news and love everywhere we go. We're going to end by prayer, and then by doing a confession absolution. We, we always confess in church. I normally speak through it, but we're going to be a little bit more formal. We're going to do some scripture reading today. And if you're following along with us in the forgiving challenge, you're going to hear a lot about confession. You're going to hear a lot about absolution. But confession is a time where we come together and publicly say, I'm still wrestling with stuff. I'm still carrying some of this stuff, and I don't want to anymore. And absolution isn't me having magic fingers. Oh, pastors can absolve. No, Jesus says to his people, when you forgive sins, they are forgiven. It is a proclamation of reality. Not that you weren't forgiven before, but sometimes in our head, we can treat it like that. We can act like that. We, we can think, no, God still expects me to carry this, and he shows up. It's like, I'm not expecting you to carry any of that. You are forgiven. The weight is gone. And I want to show you a new way to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good even when we're not. And you invite us before we're ready, before we're cleaned up, before we're put together, and you proclaim your new reality over us. Lord, help us live in that reality and help us share that reality with the people that you bring into our lives. Lord, not as another list of should and shouldn'ts, but, but as a good and gracious God. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.